This is the Italian Real Estate Podcast, here to help you with the ins and outs and basics of Italian real estate presented by ItalianRealEstateLawyers.com. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Italian Real Estate Podcast presented by ItalianRealEstateLawyers.com. Of course, we are back at it again with Italian attorney Marco Permuni. And hello and welcome. How are you doing? Good. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. And today we wanted to continue the discussion regarding costs that a person may find in Italy. And unlike in the past episodes where we focus a little bit more on the cost of living, today we wanted to talk about more of the costs related to purchasing property here in Italy, not necessarily the purchase price of the property, because this is something that we have talked about before in past episodes where we've discussed that there are these various factors. So rather than my explaining it, maybe somebody who actually knows what they're talking about should. So Marco, where should we get started with this? As you just mentioned, there are several costs related to the purchase of a property. So costs that somebody has to take into consideration when purchasing a property in Italy, because of course, the price that you have to pay for the property is not the only price that you have to pay when you are considering buying a property in Italy. The other fees that may be involved are the cost of a public notary, which is necessary to use in Italy under Italian law when purchasing a property in Italy. You have to use a public notary based in Italy. And maybe we can talk in a second about uh, what a public notary is in Italy. In Italy, the public notary is a very different profession than um, what a public notary is in America. But other costs would be the taxation, so the purchase taxes that you have to pay when you purchase a property, and we can talk about that in a second too, but this type of tax can be, depending on the case, even a quite high tax that you have to pay. And then you would have to consider the real estate agent's fee if a real estate agent is involved and then if you're using an attorney the attorney's fee so let's start with the notary in italy a public notary must be used when purchasing a property and you have to sign the contract of sale before a public notary in italy the public notary is a public servant it's not like in america where a public notary can be basically Anybody. Anybody who takes the test. Exactly. In Italy, being a public notary means having gone to law school necessarily, and not only having gone to law school, but also having taken way more steps than uh, the steps that has to take an attorney to become an attorney. So there's uh, an exam and additional uh, classes that you have to take after law school. So it's very complex to become a notary because of the importance that uh, the public notary has in Italy, not only for property purchases, but also for um, inheritance law or companies um, set up. But uh, the contract of sale of a property needs to be countersigned by a public notary in Italy, and it's also registered in a special registry, which is held by the notary, um, which includes all of the purchases which were ratified by uh, the specific notary. And the cost of a notary, because of the importance, uh, can be very high. Uh, it could be between one 
to 2,000 euros for a regular property or even higher for a luxury property. The thing is, in Italy, the notary not only certifies the uh, contract, but also actually checks that everything from a legal standpoint is being done correctly. For example, that there are no liens or other limitations on the property. Uh, the, the notary can and should check that should check also the identity of the individuals that the law is is being respected so it has a very important uh, function in Italy and that's why you pay the notary uh, that much the second cost that we talked about is the taxation in Italy not only you have to pay annual taxes which are however very low um, but also you have to pay um, the purchase tax so when you buy a property you have to um, pay a tax to purchase the property like i just said the, the annual taxation is normally quite low and you don't even pay that if you're buying your first property in italy but the purchase tax which is a one-time tax and you only pay when you buy the property can be between two and nine percent it's normally the two percent for your first house and the nine percent for your second properties that you're buying in Italy. So it is a not low amount, the 9%, if you're buying like a property, if you don't qualify for the tax exemption for your first property. But moving on, uh, you should also take into consideration the real estate agent's fee. Again, only if you're using a real estate agent um, to buy your property. So if the real estate agent proposed the property to you, it's very likely that the real estate agent will expect a commission fee. Of course, you will know in advance from the agent how much uh, their fee would be, but uh, it's normally between the 2 and 3% of the purchase price that you pay to the agent at the time of the closing. So when you actually go before the notary to sign the contract that transfers the ownership rights to you. And finally, if you're using an attorney because you're a foreigner and don't speak Italian, you don't know um, the Italian legislation, you don't know how to operate in a country that you're not familiar with, then you will also have to consider the attorney fees. And the cost of the attorney, of course, depends on the type of services that the attorney is rendering. So Marco, so far we've talked about properties for sale. Maybe just while we're on the topic of these associated costs with real estate, fees that are associated with purchasing, I think it may be worthwhile also going into the costs associated with renting an apartment or a property here in Italy. What would maybe some of those associated costs look like? Not the actual rent itself, but the, the fees that might be surrounding it. I'm glad you asked that because I think that the process of renting a property in Italy can be quite different from the pro process of renting a property in other countries, for instance, in America. In it, and, of course, also the related costs. In Italy, it is common practice to use a real estate agent to locate a property for rent. And if you're not locating the property through a real estate agent, um, of course, you don't have to pay... Uh, for the agent but if you are using one then you may have to pay uh, their commission fee and normally their commission fee is equal to one monthly rent so you pay the equivalent of one monthly rent to the uh, real estate agent who has 
help you locate an apartment for rent. And other costs would be, probably the other major cost would be the security deposit that you have to give to the owner of the property. And that can be as high as three monthly rents. So you have to pay not only for your first month, but also three more months to the owner of the property as security deposit. So basically you you end up paying the equivalent of four months of rent upfront. Of course, sometimes you can find uh, landlords that will accept only uh, a security deposit that is equivalent to one or two uh, months, but generally they want three. And that's about what you have to consider when you, when renting a property. There are some other costs, minor costs, for example, the cost related to the registration of the rental agreement, which is normally split between the landlord and the tenant, and um, it's less than 100 euros to be split between the two parties. And of course, the security deposit, which we talked about, will be given back to you at the end of the rental agreement uh, on the condition that the apartment is on the same condition um, that it was at the beginning. So if you didn't damage the apartment, you will get back the full amount. On the other hand, if there are damages to the apartment, the landlord is entitled to retain a portion or all of the security deposit. Is it based on any set of factors, like legal factors, or is it really up to the discretion of the landlord at that point? Well, normally the landlord, of course, you can you can argue at some point with a landlord uh, if the landlord says that they want to retain the whole amount. I, I, I would be very surprised. It would mean that you probably destroyed the apartment. Right. <laughs> but of course, the landlord has to show you maybe the receipts of the repair works that mm. they've done to show you, you know, I, I've done this, that, and the other because of you, so I'm retaining uh, the equivalent, the, the the money that I spent to um, fix the apartment. So what if the, I mean, okay, we're talking about a really crazy situation here that would be very unlikely, but say there was some type of damage to the apartment that went above that amount, would that individual then be liable to pay for that? Yes, of course, you would have to add more money. Again, I would. I think it, that would be like a very unlikely scenario. But, right. No, but of course. Yes. But just, I think it's worthwhile yes. going over just so that I'm personally the type that I don't like surprises. <laughs> so I think it's always good to know about all the different factors that you might be able to find, whether they're good or bad. But what about when it comes to just normal wear and tear on an apartment? When it comes to just the daily life, maybe there's a little scuff here or a little something there. Is that something that's understood will be happening when you take on an apartment or will that landlord end up maybe taking from that deposit? No, actually the law is very clear on this point because when I said that the apartment should be given back in the same condition, I should have specified that this doesn't apply to the normal usage of the apartment. For example, if the furniture, uh, if you're using the furniture, uh, such as the couch, for three years or four years, it's normal that the couch gets older, and that is not um, does not give the landlord the grounds to uh, keep money from the security mm. deposit. So unless it's like completely damaged or something, uh, like if you if you broke it on purpose or accidentally, but you broke it, then 
you should either fix it or at the end of the, the agreement, the landlord can keep that money. But uh, if you're just using it on a daily basis and- It shows signs of wear. Just yes, that's fine. Okay, so that's I, I think that's very important to know. So it's not like something that, especially because in Italy, when we're talking about rentals, it's very common that a place will be furnished and will come with a couch and will come with other various uh, bits and bobs around the apartment. So uh, I think that's a very important point. So is so it's not necessarily something even that you have to put into the contract, considering that it'll be returned, considering natural wear and tear. Of course, it's just the law that provides. Oh, that's that. fantastic. It's That's something that I'm always interested in is that here in Italy, there are always these uh, very interesting laws that come into play uh, when uh, renting apartments that can very much be uh, on the side of the renter and very much uh, be there to protect them. Uh, but anyway, I think this is a great place to round out this episode because I think, unless I'm mistaken, we've covered just about all the normal associated costs with an apartment or uh, a house. Yes, definitely. So perfect. I think that this is a great place to finish then. And so thank you all so much for joining us for another episode of the Italian Real Estate Podcast. Of course, if you would like to see more content like this about Italian properties, Italian real estate, and even if you're interested in the subject of Italian citizenship, be sure that you are subscribed to this channel for both the Italian Real Estate Podcast and the Italian Citizenship Podcast. But Marco, for those individuals who are interested in your services and are needing some help to find property and purchase property, their dream home and investment or whatever it may be, how can they get in contact with you and your team? People can contact us through our website, italianrealestatelawyers.com, or they can give us a call and the phone number is on our website. Well, that's fantastic. Thank you so much again for making yourself available to talk a bit more about these very important topics. And of course, if you're interested in seeing more content about life in Italy, living in Italy and Italian dual citizenship or life as an Italian dual citizen, be sure to come over and check out my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Rafael Di Furia. Of course, we have been here with Marco Permunian and I am Rafael Di Furia and we look forward to seeing you all next time. Later. Thank you.